what it means and what it looks like. And we've been using this Christmas time and this Christmas season specifically to help us understand worship because worship takes place at that nativity scene in, in that moment, right, where specifically the wise men come and the scriptures say that they worship Christ, this, this new child that has entered into this world. And so we picture that nativity scene and we picture the wise men there and Mary and she looks great, right? She looks like all peaceful and all good and everything's all good, right? And Joseph's like fawning over them and they're shepherds, right? And it always looks really peaceful. Do you ever notice that in nativity scenes? It looks like all hunky-dory. But if I, I kind of imagine, though, it may have been a little more disheveled in the moment. You know what I mean? I mean, she just had a baby in a stable, right? And so I got to figure that this whole worship thing has to have room for when life gets disheveled, where things happen, where there are challenges, where there are circumstances that are unexpected, where, where, where there are darkness or brokenness and challenge come to be a part of our lives. What do we do? How do you worship in the midst of pain and hurt and suffering? For, for, for many of us, Christmas time is a joyous time, but it can also be a very challenging time as we remember people that we have lost, as people who aren't with us anymore, rela- relationships that are, are challenging or, or there's a lot of friction or just life troubles and life challenges. And so today what we're going to do, what we're going to look at specifically is asking this question, how do you worship God? Can you worship God? What does that look like and what does that mean to worship God when you are experiencing pain, when you are experiencing trouble, when you are experiencing difficulty in life. When most people, when when something challenging comes along in life, if they're a Christ follower or not, maybe you're a non-Christian this morning and, and you'll get some great insight into some of the practices of how a Christian responds when there's trouble. But typically there are kind of two responses when trouble comes our way. It's either that we isolate ourselves, that we isolate ourselves from a lot of healthy spaces, good relationships, people who love us. We just kind of put up walls and we begin to shut down. You know what I'm talking about? When you put up walls and you get defensive and you just kind of lock everybody and everything out. That's one option. Or a more healthy option, the one that we strive for, is, is that we seek to even communicate, even in the midst of our pain and our difficulty, we choose to communicate. We choose to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable and to walk through the challenge. And this is particularly true as it relates to our Heavenly Father. That when we are in uh, an ex- challenging experience, we often will isolate ourselves from our church, from, from the Bible, from what God is and what He has to say of our lives. We kind of put up walls and shut Him out. Or we have the option and the opportunity when challenge comes to communicate, to pour out our hearts to God. We either end the relationship and say, enough, God, or we choose to actually come and worship in the midst of our pain and hurt. We're going to look at this morning, what does it look like? What does it mean to do the latter? To come and worship God even when you're hurting and in pain. When you're in pain and challenge, 
worship in that moment begins. You get the ball rolling. You, you begin to embrace and experience worship when you up front at first, you start by just honestly and transparently pouring out your heart, talking and communicating to God, sharing with Him the challenge that you find yourself in and how that makes you feel. What does it mean to you? What's going on in your life? And you pour it out to Him. The Bible says it like this in Psalm 142. It says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before Him and I tell Him all my troubles. I don't lock things down. I don't shut him out, but instead, intentionally, I come before God and I cry out to him, God, this sucks. This is tough. This hurts. And I lay it out in front of him. The Psalms are resplendent with examples of how the writers they, they write these po- this poetry, these songs, and, and this selection comes from one of them. And, and many of them, many of them are written from a position of a person who is experiencing pain and suffering. And it's their chance to cry out and pour out their heart before God. Now, when I think about the importance of this and, and how to do this and how to do this well, there's someone who has taught me how to do this well, better than anybody else that I have ever experienced in my life. I've learned more from this person uh, in a very, very short amount of time. In fact, I've only known this person for about six months. Um, isn't it amazing? God brings people in your life and they just they pour into you and they bring insight and they refresh just your relationship with God. And this specific person in my life, I have learned more in six months of knowing them than, than, I, than I have learned in a lifetime up till then. And it's just, it's been incredible. It's been amazing. Um, learning from my daughter. <laughs> this is Annalise Caitlin. Uh, she's six months old coming up. I think it's tomorrow. She'll be six months Here's a pretty picture of her and her beautiful mom. We went out looking at Christmas lights. So this is the nice one of her, her mom. And then this is one of her and her dad. Hello, everybody. Mom was cropped out of this picture. She said, no way, Jose. You got to put the only yourself up there. Yeah, I have learned more from my little girl as it relates to this than I'm pretty sure anybody else in my whole life. You want to know Why? I'll tell you, between the hours of 1 a.m. and 2.30 a.m. every night, the world is about to end. You probably sleep through it, but for my little girl, her world is coming to an end. She is about to die of starvation, and she lets me know about it. I'm her father. And she's really good at crying out to her father. And she doesn't come over the monitor saying, "Uh, Dad, uh, if if it's not too much trouble, um, I I know you're sleeping. I'll be really quick. I'm sorry to inconvenience you. But I'm just sort of hungry. I'm so sorry. If you could just warm up a quick bottle for me, that would be great. Signing off. Thanks. This is is Annalise in, in, in room one. Thank you. Sorry. Thanks. Bye. No. Dad, 
I'm hungry. Feed me. I'm starving. I'm going to waste away. I'm fluent in baby. That's what she's saying. She cries out. She cries out in a perfectly transparent, honest, and authentic way that lays before me, her father, exactly what she is going through, what she is feeling. I know the difference between her happy chirps where she's just playing and the, Dad, I need you and I need you now. As her father, I listen and I hear as she cries out, Dad, I need you. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm angry and I'm upset and I don't understand. Where are you? And as her father, I both hear and handle her cries. I can hear her cry. I don't turn a deaf ear to it. I don't, don't just ignore it. I respond. And I can handle it. When she's angry, when she's upset, that's okay. When she expresses her concern, I don't get upset. You should have a nicer tone right now. Here's the deal. When it comes to being in a place of suffering and pain... You too can cry out to your Heavenly Father. Honestly, authentically. Use your words. You don't have to say these and thous. You don't have to class it up and make it special and pretty that some holy God can only receive the mail when it looks nice. No, be real. Lay it out before Him. Pour out your heart. God, I need you right now. Your comfort and your strength and your power and your peace. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't understand. I'm upset. Where are you? Help me. God both hears and can handle our cries. Whatever you throw at him, he can take it. You angry? Be angry with him. It's okay if a swear word drops even. Be angry. Let him know you're upset and what you're experiencing. Pour out in a transparent and real way. Don't shut him out, but pour out your hearts. It's the first piece. That's the first step in beginning to worship when you hurt. Number two, once you have already begun the process of pouring out your heart, what you'll begin to discover is the value and the importance of remembering how God has been with you through past hurts, past troubles, past difficulties. What what happens is that we, we pour our hearts out to Him and say, God, where are you? I don't understand. I'm hurting. I know that you were with me here. I know that in the past, I remember when you were there with me when I got that news. I remember you were in the room in a way that was supernatural when I heard that, and and you walked with me through that. I remember, God, you were there. 
And I remember how, how since then you have continued to walk with me. That you were with me and you were with that person I was with. And you walked with both of us and you gave me the right words and you gave them the right words and we're working things out, God. You have been there in my past, God. Working, active, healing me, helping me, saving me, encouraging me. I remember the first time I ever understood what forgiveness was. My mind was blown when I just heard and understand that you love me for the very first time. God, I remember who you are. What you've done in my life and in the lives of those around me. I remember the Bible stories. I remember how this Bible is full of stories of you rescuing and saving and healing and bringing hope. God, I remember how you have worked miracles in and through my life. Here it says in Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will not forget. In this moment, in this darkness, I won't forget. This verse comes out of Lamentations. This is an entire book dedicated to a lament. It is a Lamentations. Lament means somebody in a really bad spot. Difficulty. And look what they write. Despite all the darkness, despite all the brokenness, despite the challenge of the moment, yet this I call to mind. This I remember, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, all that He's done for me, everything in my, that He has loved me, we are not consumed for His compassions never fail. Despite the darkness, I know, regardless of what I'm feeling and experiencing, I know my God loves me. He loves you. And His compassions will never fail. I, I want to encourage you to make this a regular practice, whether you are in a difficult spot right now or not. Telling God's stories, how God is working and how God is active in your life. If you get good at this practice when you're in a good place, it will help carry you through and reorient your perspective when you are in a dark place. Telling God's stories, sitting down and asking your spouse, Hey, how was your day? Let me tell you about mine. God did this really cool thing. He, he showed up. I wasn't expecting it, but this, this thing happened, and I just really felt God, you know, was present. Ask your kids about it. Tell your kids about it. Start to, with your friends, share how God is showing up, what God is doing, where do you see God at work. Get good at telling God stories. 
so that you can help remember and bring to bear on your perspective, regardless of whether it is good or whether you're in a difficult place, you remember and have at the forefront of your mind God and His activity and what that tells you about Himself. Get good at telling God stories. We do this every single week at staff meeting. We have changed the way we do our staff meeting to start with God stories. We've been doing this now for I don't know how long. It's great. We look forward to the God stories part, and then the the rest just kind of flows. We sometimes spend more time telling stories of what God is doing than the business at the end. And it's awesome. Meeting's never been better. Because we reorient our perspective to recognize God is alive and at work in our world. Regardless of all that is going on, we remember. God is here. And He loves us. God was so firm about the importance of remembering His activity that He actually instituted some rituals or practices in the Bible. Uh, The Jewish people have been doing something called Passover for absolutely eons. Oh my gosh. All the way, you can read about the original story in the, New, in, in the Old Testament, the, the first part of the Bible, where God rescues an entire people. And as part of that rescue attempt, he gives them, he says, look, I want you to do this dinner. I want you to do this meal. And I want you to do it every single year so that you don't forget. And it, it keeps going on to this day. And in fact, Jesus himself, if you're a Christian, Jesus himself celebrated this meal at his, right at his darkest moment. Right before he was upon the cross, he celebrated and remembered this ritual, the Passover. And now, today, we continue to celebrate and remember Easter. I mean, did you notice? Easter keeps coming around. Like, it happens every year in the spring. Did you know that? There's another really cool season in the year that we all love. We're actually in the middle of it. And we spend so much time on this season. We start before Thanksgiving and we're going to keep it going until, you know, May, June if we could. We call it the Christmas season. What are we doing during the Christmas season? We are telling a God story. We're telling the God story of how God entered into our world to draw close where He stepped into flesh to be near to you and to be near to me. We're telling a God story. We are worshiping by remembering how God has worked in the past. And we derive hope from that as to his continued work in our present and our future. Tell God stories. When you get good at telling God stories, after you've poured out your heart, it naturally leads you. It restructures the way that you're looking at your situation. You can look at things with a fresh, new, and different perspective because you remember God's in control and God is with me. And this is tough and this is hard, but God is still God. Even in my hurt and even in my pain, God is God and I will push through the pain to a point of praising Him and lifting His name on high, worshiping Him in the midst of my hardship. I will praise my God for He is my God. 
We can push through the pain of the moment. The challenge of the moment. And peel back the emotions that so color our situation. And remember that God is God and we can praise Him and worship Him for being God. There's a great psalm. It's called uh, number 102. If you want to write it down, it's on your half sheet too. Psalm 102, you should read it later. Um, it is considered to be one of the darkest and, and most depressing of the psalms because the person is speaking out of such uh, hardship. They, they say their, their bones feel like they're all broken and, and their, their, their flesh is shriveled up and, and, and they, their tears mix with ash in their mouth. I mean, it is like, whoa. It is a low point, a hard moment in the psalmist, the writer's life. And as he goes through pouring out his heart before God, there's a moment as he continues where he begins to remember who God is and there's a turning point. In the psalm, there's a definitive moment where something changes in the psalmist's spirit. And he says, Life is tough. Life hurts. I don't understand. I eat ash in my mouth. But you, God, are still a a good God. And you are my God. Life hurts. My finances are in a ruin. I don't know how I'm going to make the bills. But you, God, are still God. My marriage is in shambles. I don't know if I love my spouse or they love me. I don't, we've done this thing. I don't know if we can keep doing this, Lord. What are we doing here? I hurt from this. But you, God, are still God and can work miracles and bring hope and life where there is none. I've lost someone. I've lost my job. I've lost my motivation. I've lost my self-worth. I have lost and I hurt. And yet you are a God who works in my life to bring resurrection, hope, and newness. But you, God, love me. And you are my God. When we get this perspective, it allows us to honestly and transparently worship our God, having poured out our heart for simply being our good, righteous, loving God. Earlier this week, I had a conversation. I was in church, and I was walking around and bumping into people, and a young woman came up to me and said, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Andrew. Yeah, hey, how you doing? So good to see you. She's like, yeah, I got something to share with you. I'm like, yeah, what's that? She said, I read the entire Bible. I finally finished. I said, awesome, that's fantastic. High five, whoop, whoop. What was your favorite book? You know what she said without missing a beat? The book of Job. Now, if you're a non-Christian, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. The book of Job is one of the most powerful and impactful books that are part of our sacred writings as a Christian people. 
because it is all about this guy who understands what it is like to lose everything, to have completely and utter brokenness. And yet worship God for being his God. It's this incredible story. Most scholars actually believe it's far more powerful than we see on the outside. It's a parable. It's a a metaphor, this man and his life, for a much bigger issue. You see, back in that time period, the book of Job was written at a time where the entire Jewish nation, the, the whole people, were at a low point. This wasn't just one guy dealing with his problems. The entire nation of Israel had been utterly broken and destroyed. A foreign empire had come in. And they had taken ten out of the twelve tribes and, and, and dis, dispersed them over their empire, dissolved their culture, took the remaining two tribes kept one in desperate poverty, took the other and enslaved them in their capital. And they're God's people. Sign me up. No, this is a moment where the Jewish people and the Jewish nation are so utterly broken, they are asking the question of, how do we worship God in this darkness and in this pit? Can we? How? Ten out of twelve Jews have been killed or dispersed. One sits in poverty. One is in slavery. God, where are you? And they sat down. And they wrote the book of Job. A book that ends with a person pushing through pain to recognizing God is still God even in the darkest of moments. God speaks to Job and reminds him, I am your God. I have not left you. I have not abandoned you. I am with you. I am your God. And I will continue to work in your life even despite the pain and suffering. I am your God. My love and my compassions never fail. My prayer for you this Christmas season, regardless of where you're at, and as you continue to move through life, there will be a dark season ahead. I guarantee it. I pray and encourage you. I invite you to continue to worship by pouring out your heart, by remembering who God is and what He has done in pushing through the pain of the moment to praise Him and trust Him and know Him as your great and good God even in the pain. That is powerful worship. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. We do praise you and we worship you. I pray and lift up my voice on behalf of those who are suffering and hurting right now. 
those who are experiencing darkness and brokenness in tangible and real ways. We pour out our hearts to you, Lord. We hurt. We ask that in your compassion and out of love that never fails, that you would continue to be our God. We remember all that you have done for us. We remember how you drew close in a manger. We remember how you came to live among us, how you would grow up to sacrifice your life upon a cross, that we might have new life. We remember. And so we praise you and we worship you this day. Even in our brokenness, we worship you as we are. All glory, honor, and praise be unto you, our God and King. In Jesus' name, amen. Dazzling hearts too fast to climb Got so high to fall so far But I found heaven as love swept low My heart beating, my soul waiting I found my life when I laid it down Upward falling, spirit soaring Spirit, so real. I touch the.
It's an amazing invitation that we can uh, pour out our hearts. That we can just be open and honest and know that our Father is willing to be with us and to provide for us and speak over our lives and help us remember and experience his love for us. It happens every week when we come in the room. It happens every week when we, like Jesus, gather at table and do Passover. And we have that experience in bread and wine where he comes to us Christmas. He comes to us, draws near to us, and he says to us, we're forgiven that we are absolutely His, and no one and nothing can snatch us from His hands. It's all because Jesus came into the world. He gathered at table with His disciples. He took some bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to Him, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then again, after supper, He took a cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, Drink it, all of you. This cup's new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. In these gifts, once again, he draws near to us. And he speaks over us and he pours into us. And he claims us and forgives us. If you want to receive Jesus today... If you want to say, yes, he is Lord, and just cry out and relinquish and surrender everything that you are to him, we invite you come to the table. If you're not sure you're ready for him yet in this way, that's okay. You can just stay in your chairs. We hope you come back because we know the kind of life he has in store for you. Um, And we just hope that this can be the moment when you receive it. If you're ready for Jesus, know that everybody is welcome to come to his table. Would our helpers come forward, please? As our helpers come forward, I remind you that our host will excuse you from the back of the room to the front. As you come up, one of our helpers will be there with the bread. Just take the bread and eat it. Next time, there'll be a person with a basket of small glasses. Just receive the glass and then go go to one of the chalices. Wine will be poured in. There'll be a basket at the end for uh, your empty glasses. If for health reasons you prefer to have gluten-free bread or grape juice, that's available at the altar. Just step up to the altar to uh, receive that. If you have a young person with you today in worship and uh, you'd like them to receive a uh, pastoral blessing, they're not of a communing age yet, uh, you can just bring them up to the altar to Pastor Andrew or I uh, for that as well. And, of course, uh, you folks over here will come to uh, this aisle, and your bread person is right there, and you'll go back via that side aisle. You folks in the middle will also come to this aisle. Your bread person's right here, and you go back via that aisle. And then, of course, you folks over here will come to the aisle, and your bread person's right over there, and you go back via that side aisle there.